Have you ever been out hiking or walking and somebody in the group has said, hey, let's take a shortcut? So I've never been much of a hiker, but there was one time that I remember in Tassie, a group of us were staying up at Cradle Mountain and it was beautiful, it was winter, and we decided to go for a walk, at one of the walks that looked over Twisted Lakes. And then we looked at the weather coming in and we worked out we probably weren't going to have enough time to get back the way we came. And the leader of the group, my friend, said, don't worry, I've got some old rangers maps on my phone. If we just go a little bit further, there's a rangers trail. We can use that. So we got to the clearing where the trail was meant to start and we spent about 10 minutes, as it's snowing, looking for the start of this trail. And then he goes, it's all right. It's probably just overgrown at the start. Let's begin and we'll find the trail. Just to let you know the end of the story, we did find the trail 20 metres from the end. But what I learned about the idea of taking a shortcut when you are hiking is you can't just go in a straight line because there are all these things that come up. There are all these obstacles that appear that you have to go around or over or under. There are cliffs that you come across that you go, well, we've got to walk alongside it. And so something that we regularly had to do as we were trying to make our way through this ranger's trail back down to one of the other tracks was my friend had to stop and get out the map and use his phone as a compass and check what is the direction that we're heading? I think that that's such an important idea for this series. See, last week Gavin started a series called How to Be Rich. This isn't how to get rich. This is how to be rich. And we started this series in both the AM and the PM service last week because it's actually important, even though we don't like to talk about finances often, it's actually important that we do talk about money. Because the question that's at the back of this series is, are my finances closely aligned with God's will? Is the direction that I'm heading in with my finances the one that I actually want to be heading in? Because life happens and sometimes we can kind of get distracted, we can start to go off down another track. And so we have to regularly ask ourselves this question. And so last week, Gavin opened this series and he talked about gratitude. When we develop gratitude, we help to protect our hearts from the, the lure of money and we start to develop contentment. And today, I want to focus on generosity. How do we move from developing that contentment into an outward action? And so I want to start off just kind of doing a little bit of a quick recap, but also introducing you to the passage I want to use today. But I would encourage you, go back and listen to Gavin's message from last week because these messages are meant to go together. And so our passage today is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 to 19. And it says this, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. 
In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. As I started to look at this passage, I was caught by that first phrase there. Command those who are rich in this present world. And as Gavin shared about last week, we like to think that rich is the other guy. Rich is somebody else. But we actually have to realise that we live in Australia. We live in a rich country. We have welfare. We have free healthcare. We have education. We are rich. And so the very first thing that we need to be reminded of from last week and that we have to keep in mind today is this is talking to us. And then I was struck by that word command because command is quite a serious word. It's a big word. It's a word that challenges us to pay attention, to focus. See, as Paul is talking to Timothy here, he's not saying, hey, here's a suggestion or here's something that might be nice. He's saying command. This is something that we are all called to do. This is something that we are called to pay attention to, to take notice of. And so what are we meant to do? Well, it says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. See, Paul's challenging people here. He's saying there are two views that we can either have. We can either put our hope or our trust in wealth, which is uncertain, or we can put our hope and our trust in God, who richly provides everything that we need for our enjoyment. And now, this passage isn't saying that we are needing to live like monks, like give everything away and live with the bare minimum. That's not what this passage is saying at all. After all, it talks about God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Gavin said it last week, and I want to say it again this week. Being rich isn't bad. Being rich isn't wrong. But instead, the idea that is here is what Jesus regularly talked about and what Paul talked about earlier in 1 Timothy. Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And 1 Timothy 6.10a, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. See, what Paul is talking to Timothy about here is he's talking about the things that you treasure, the things that you trust in, the things that you put your hope in. Where is your priority? And that's what we're being challenged at. Because the love of money is the issue, not money itself. And so Paul is challenging us as believers. Paul is challenging us who are hearing this message. He's asking us the question, where is your hope found? What are the things that you are putting your hope into? Because we can put it into wealth. We can put our trust into wealth. We can choose to make the decisions in our life based around, does this make sense financially? And when we 
look at people around us, when we look at what the world encourages encourages us to do, this is what they say. You've got to build up as much as you can. You've got to work hard and earn as much as you can because you have to solve all your problems. You've got to have the money available to be able to buy the help that you need, to get the help that you need. You need to have the things available. This is, this is the trap that we can get caught in. And the, the thing that wants to take our hope and our attention. So that's one of the views. But then on the other side, there is putting your hope in God who richly provides. And this is the one who knows us. This is putting our hope and our trust and our priority in the one who created us, who knows us immensely and intimately. And this also means that sometimes when you make decisions, it doesn't always make worldly sense. See, I remember having a conversation with my dad, uh, and I think it was around the time that I was deciding to start going to Bible college. I was working two part-time jobs at the time. I'd finished an education degree, and I was choosing to go and study something else. And I remember having a conversation with dad about it, and he was kind of asking me questions. Well, you know, how are you going to get enough to live? How are you going to provide for your family? And these are good questions. These are important questions. But I also knew I didn't have to have all the answers because I knew that God was calling me somewhere. and God was calling me to do something. And so it was a stepping out in faith thing. Now, Dad, who's quite a logical guy and somebody who likes to have a plan, really struggled with that. The question that Paul is asking here is, where is your hope bound? Where are you putting your priority, your heart, and your treasure? Where are you putting all of your hope? Is it in wealth? Or is it in God? And verse 19 of this passage kind of helps us understand what, what's behind all this. He says, in this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. All throughout this passage, Paul is playing off those who are rich in this present world and those who are laying up treasure for the coming age. We've got to remember that wealth And this is something that Jesus spoke about regularly. Wealth is not something we can take with us, but it is only for the here and the now. Wealth is something that only matters here. God's more interested in the future, in eternity, in what's going on there. And I know that for many people who have been in church, and I even said this earlier today, we have a generous church. A lot of you have heard this, a lot of you know this. But just like whenever you take a shortcut when you're hiking, and you've got to keep stopping and checking what direction you're going in, we need to keep stopping and asking ourselves that question. Where is your hope found? Have I allowed 
obstacles to pop up in my life that have kind of started to distract me? Have I started to go down another way? This is why we're doing this series. This is why this series was done last year and this is why we will continue to regularly talk about this because we need to keep checking our hearts. And sometimes we can start to drift. Sometimes we can find ourselves starting to move. And so what is it that we do when that happens? What, what is it that we are called to do? How do we actually get ourselves back onto the right track? Well, last week, Gavin spoke about how gratitude develops contentment within us. Because the desire to be rich focuses on what you don't have. And so we have to flip that. We have to start looking at what we do have and going, you know what? I have enough. Choosing to be grateful develops contentment. But contentment isn't actually the end point. Because once we've reached contentment, then we have to look at generosity. Because contentment's all about us still. And generosity is something that is an outward action, something that extends it forward. And so Paul, being the very helpful bloke that he is in the Bible, gives us some instructions in verse 18. He says, Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. There are three things here that help us to develop this attitude of generosity in our lives that help us to put our trust in God rather than just in money. And the first one is do good. Actually start to think beyond yourself. Because if you want to do good, that requires you to focus on other people. That requires it to be outside of yourself. And there was an interesting stat in some of the information that Gavin passed on to me for this message In 2021, the average donation amount that people donated increased, but the number of people giving decreased. So it went from 31.01% to 26.7%. So individual people became more generous, but less people became generous. Less people were choosing to look beyond themselves choosing to look beyond their families, choosing to look beyond their own world. And one of the verses that has been kind of instrumental for me in helping me develop this mindset of thinking beyond myself, and it's one that I will regularly reference whenever I'm praying for the offering. It's Genesis 12.2, and it's the calling of Abram. This is a verse from when God was calling Abram and said, hey, I want you to leave everything that you know you know this land that you've got, and I know it doesn't make sense, but I want you to go and settle somewhere else because I'm going to turn you into a great nation. And verse says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. This, this verse is one that I, use, I reflect on regularly, regularly, to just think about it because... God promises that he's going to bless Abraham. But this blessing is not just for Abraham. This isn't just that he becomes great, that he gets really rich and gets all this land. You will be a blessing. 
We are blessed. We are given things by God so that we can be a blessing to other people. This is a mindset shift that challenges us to actually think about what has been given to us is for other people. And, you know, this is an intentional mindset because money wants us to focus on us. Money wants us to focus on me and my family and my little world. And yet when I actually stop and think about all the blessings that I have, I'm blessed so that I can then go out and be a blessing to others, so that then I can go and share it with other people. And what I love about last week, so last week Sue came and chatted to me and said, hey, would you mind next week in the service if I shared about this maximum impact? And she shared about what it was and I went, that's perfect. I love the way God works. But that idea of maximum impact, it is about helping. How do we actually give so that it's not just about us feeling good about, hey, I've done a nice deed, I've done a good deed, I've given something. But so that we can actually be a true blessing to other people. So if we want to develop generosity, we have to understand that we are blessed so that we can bless others, so that we can think beyond ourselves. That second point that Paul talks about is be rich in good deeds. Make generosity and giving a discipline. You know, I am not somebody who is particularly disciplined. I have never been disciplined in going to the gym. I think my record is three times and that's it. In fact, doing the men's ministry bike ride last week, I learned that I need to be more disciplined in getting on my bike and riding. Thank you to everybody who slowed down to wait for me. But this idea of discipline is something that is important because a discipline is doing something consistently, choosing to do something consistently, even when you don't feel like it, even when you don't want to, but it is making a choice to do it. And being rich in good deeds, it's about being consistent in good deeds, continuing to build them up and build them up and build them up. Now, sometimes people can be spontaneous givers and spontaneous giving is great. And we need spontaneous giving, but we also need to make sure that we are actually practicing consistency. That we can develop long-term impact by making this a discipline. And 2 Corinthians 9, 7-8 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, what you've already made a decision about, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. We're called to actually choose ahead of time and we're coming up to the end of financial year maybe you are somebody who as you enter the new financial year that's the time you relook at your budget one of the things that you can do when you're budgeting is you can actually think about three buckets it's a kid's illustration that i stole from last year you have a bucket for spendings you have a bucket for savings and then you have a bucket for sharing for giving you actually make a decision when you are putting your budget together. You know what? We're going to put money aside and we are going to give that 
to other people. We are going to give that where it is needed. And so you are making it a discipline. You are not just waiting till an opportunity comes up and then you go, well, actually, we don't have enough at the moment. But you're being intentional about it. You're developing a habit. And, you know, tithing is another example of a discipline in this. And for me, one of the one of the things that Emma and I have chosen to do with tithing is we choose to give first up. We give our money first because then we can just plan what to do with the rest of it, but also it's a challenge. It's a challenge because when, when we talk about a 10%, and, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be 10%, but a, a percentage is challenging because it challenges you to be more generous than less. But when it goes out first, it is saying, you know what, I don't want money to be the thing that controls me. I don't want money to be the thing that I focus on first. Instead, I want to focus on God. So I'm going to be generous first and then live off what's left. And so that, that's something that you know we've chosen to do as part of a discipline of choosing to give ahead of time, to be rich in good deeds, to be consistently seeking that. And the third thing that Paul talks about there is be generous and willing to share. And can I just say that as we talk about how to be rich, a lot of this is focused around money, but it's not just about money. This is not just about the cash that we have or what's in our bank accounts. This is talking about wealth. This is talking about all that we have. And so being generous and being willing to share, this is actually a hard attitude that we have to develop. And one of the things that I've learned in marriage, I have to do better at this. And I'm very blessed that I have a wife who challenges me to be better at this. Because when we develop this attitude of generosity, when we develop an attitude of being willing to share, it loosens the grip that money has on our hearts. It loosens it because we are choosing to hold it, not with tight hands, but instead we are holding it loosely. And there's a great verse from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 45. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. I, that is a challenging passage. But it's also an encouraging passage. Because I love the picture that it provides of a community that is generous and willing to share. Because this isn't just about using your money. This is about using your wealth. And can I say, I've actually seen this demonstrated over recent weeks because our bus has been out of commission and yet we have had people who are going out of their way to pick up other people for church on a Sunday morning using their car, using their possessions to bring them to church. Maybe this being generous and willing to share is about 
when you find out about somebody who needs to go to an appointment during the week but they don't have transport, you go, you know what? I can take a little bit of time and I can take you to your appointment and drop you home again afterwards. Because it's about more than just money. I, I know that I've been incredibly grateful for people who have lent somebody who is highly unskilled tools to, to help out in the garden or to help out in the house. And some people have heard stories of how that hasn't necessarily worked. But they're still willing to lend them. You know, I, I've come from a position where all I had to do was just go across the other side of town and go raid Dad's garage. It's a little bit far to drive now, and yet people are generous with what they have and they're willing to lend it and say, hey, here's something to help. But when I think about this idea of generosity and being willing to share, I think of where Emma and I lived in Tassie. And Emma had a really real heart for the kids in our neighbourhood. And she went out there, she was the cool one. I had kids in our street introducing me themselves to me as, hey, I'm friends with Emma. That's awesome. But this is something that she does really well, and I didn't tell her I was going to talk about this, but oh well. But Emma is somebody who welcomes people in, and she's willing to share, and so our house and our yard became a safe place for the kids in our neighbourhood. It became a place where they knew that they could come and go to, that they could chat to an adult about what was going on, that they would be seen and noticed, that they would be cared for. And do you know what? Sometimes it didn't always work out so well. Sometimes things went missing from our house, and that's okay. Because we were able to share what we had, and we were able to speak love and life into the lives of some of the kids around us. Because being generous is about more than just giving money to a good cause. It is actually being willing to share what you have to open up your lives and to use your wealth for the glory of God. See, generosity is something that is so important for us to develop in our hearts. But it's a challenging one as well. And so I want to I just close today with the same quote that Gavin used last week. Because I think it just sums up this entire series so well. And it's saying that we can continue to speak to ourselves, to remind ourselves. I will not place my trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to just say thank you for who you are. Lord, I want to say thank you that you have blessed us, that you have provided us with so much. Lord, you don't just give us the bare minimum, but Lord, you love us abundantly and provide for us abundantly. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to develop generosity in the way that we see that. Lord, help us to remember that we are not blessed for ourselves, but we are blessed to be a blessing, that we are blessed for other people. And Lord, I pray that you would just 
watch over us. Lord, help us to develop that in our hearts. Lord, help us to keep our focus on you and eternity and the things that really matter. All these things I pray in your name. Amen.